Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. The Google Teacher Tribe Podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, Go to edupodcastnetwork.com. Inside episode three, we are going to discuss the new Google Sites. So this has become a very interesting conversation, and we are excited to share our thoughts with you. We also have, of course, our Google News and Updates, um, what is the latest going on with Google, and then we have some audience feedback and a question from one of our listeners that we want to share with you. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. always, Google's got some news and updates. We want to keep you updated on some things that we think that you're going to love. And the one that I wanted to tell you about has to do with YouTube. And I don't know about you, but I'm always blown away at the professional YouTubers and how you've sometimes got kids and teens and, you know, people in their 20s and beyond that produce YouTube content. And they have hundreds of thousands of subscribers or more, and they they just get all of this traffic. And I mean, people actually make their living on YouTube, which blows me away. And a brilliant move that I think that Google is making is they're they're harnessing the power of those YouTubers to create educational content. And so you've got a couple of really popular YouTubers. You've got Glozel Green, who has just these crazy, <laughs> these crazy YouTube videos. And she's gonna start a an educational show, I guess you could say, where where kids that are watching it have to guess what's in a box based on some some um, some information that they're given, and of course she's going to have a lot of fun with it. So there, that's an example. Another one that that is coming down the pike that um, YouTube tells us is there's a YouTuber called Stacy Plays, and she does stuff on Minecraft. In fact, she's got a big segment called Dogcraft, and so. 
she's going to do these things called Minecraft field trips. Now, I know my my own kids are pretty much smitten with Minecraft. They they love being able to build things. And so I'm thinking being able to pull those two things together, Minecraft and field trips, to, to get that educational content packaged together like that makes a whole lot of sense. So those are some things that are coming. And then YouTube's already got this thing called Learn a Language. There's actually a hashtag, hashtag Learn a Language, where there are all of these really good educational videos made for kids to help them learn languages like, I mean, you've got Spanish and French and Italian. You can do Japanese, Arabic, Mandarin, Chinese, Russian. There are all of these all of these videos out there. And of course, we've got links to all of this in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash three. That is awesome. You know, the the mashup of YouTube meets Minecraft kind of blows my mind. I, right? Yeah. I think um, I think a lot of educators are going to latch on to that because uh, the kids are going to love it. Right? That's that's amazing. And the ability to learn languages through um, the learn a language. There we got a hashtag that we can add to our database as well. So um, that sounds like a really great resource. So I'm going to move on to some of the updates that have appeared on the Google blog. The keyword blog that we mentioned in an earlier episode, which is blog.google. And um, so there was a post about some new Chromebooks coming out. And I have to tell you, um, the title of this blog post, I think, was is not necessarily um, the best because I think there is way more in here than what the title lends itself to. So the title is A New Generation of Chromebooks Designed for Millions of Students and Educators. But what is contained in this post is much more than just the news about the new Chromebooks, which are awesome, by the way. So two new devices were coming out Um Arriving late spring, the Acer Chromebook Spin 11 and the Asus Chromebook C213. Um, these are going to have a stylus capability. So we're going to bring in some even more um, new elements into the classroom with, with these types of Chromebooks. They're going to have a world-facing camera as well as that forward-facing camera so that you can turn turn the, the laptop around the um USB-C charging capabilities, and um, what a lot of educators have been waiting on, this is big news, is the ability to use Android apps on Chromebooks. So they announced this last May, and they told us it was coming. We're waiting. In fact, you know, we've had some questions about this, but um, in this blog post, they say in the coming weeks, again, we don't have an exact date, but Chromebook administrators will be able to create a library of approved Android apps and install them on select managed Chromebooks. So that's gonna what? Be, um, the, the admin panel level. But yes, I'm um, in that awesome. So students are going to be able to access Android apps like Toontastic and Science Journal um, and, and have learning both online and offline. And it gets better. Adobe has also released a suite of Android apps that are optimized now for the Chromebook. So um, Adobe Creative Cloud apps, including Photoshop Mix, Lightroom Mobile, Illustrator Draw, Photoshop Sketch, Adobe Comp CC, and the Creative Cloud Mobile will be available for free download expanding the creative options for students and the capability of stylus and world-facing camera. Matt, I think wow. I have like 12 blog posts just coming at me from this one article. Um, there's and I'm ready to read them. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and there's also, again, still more, I'm not done, the creative apps um, on Chromebooks. So they are, are, you know, making more of those available in sweet sort of downloads, like with Wii Video and Soundtrap and Explain Everything. But there are some updates to Google Classroom that make this post even more powerful. So now that we have the Classroom Android app available on Chromebooks, this opens up new possibilities for students and how they use those devices. So with the help of that stylus-enabled Chromebook, students can now complete their math homework by hand or sketch a visual for a science project by annotating documents directly in the Classroom app. Oh my goodness. I'm like getting giddy over here. <laughs> yeah. Like mind That's blown, amazing. Right? Um, yeah. So yes. we're really hitting that crossover point. You know, it's, it's always been, okay, well, the tablet versus the Chromebook. And, and now they're really giving us both. And so um, the ability to do that and, you know, che- teachers are, are going to be chomping at the bit to get their hands on these new features and these new Chromebooks. They sound awesome. Oh my goodness. I'm getting, I'm chomping at the bit to get my hands on one of them too. I mean, the, the camera in and of itself. I mean, that's one of the things that I've loved about the iPad in the past. I've, I've been kind of a proponent of Chromebooks. If you're going to do a one to one initiative and now even more so, if you've got the camera facing out, that opens up so many more creative abilities with photography and video and all of that. And of course, the stylus, I love to sketch on my iPad as it is. And people have always asked me, well, what if you want to sketch on a Chromebook? And I've always just had to say, you know, there aren't a whole lot of options for that. But it sounds right. like that's about to change in a big way. Yeah, I think this is really going to open up a lot of creative outlets with the Chromebook. You know, you can create, but um, we have sort of been limited in what we we can do and, and create just with that that regular Chromebook. So I think this is really going to bridge that gap between the tablet and um, the regular laptop style Chromebook that we're used to. So super excited to share these updates with you. So check that out. The, yeah. um, the links and all of the details, of course, are in the show notes. So I know Casey and I have been hard at work on some blog posts, and we wanted to call your attention to just a couple of them. Now, I know for me, over on ditchthattextbook.com, I recently published a post called Preparing Students for a Startup Entrepreneur-Driven World. And this blog post really was sort of born out of a podcast that I started listening to another another education podcast it's called Start Ed Up and it's created by Don Wetrick who is a fascinating teacher here in the state of Indiana with me and he teaches this class called Innovations and it's kind of like 20% time or genius hour only it's an entire class where kids kind of come up with a project or something that they want to do and they carry it out to completion. And so Don and one of his former students have started this podcast that's geared towards educators and people engaging in startups or entrepreneurs or whatever, and even just for students, just to kind of bring the whole business world, entrepreneur, startup world together with the education world. And he's got some fascinating guests. And probably the the best one, the one that I really enjoyed was Jeff Hoffman, who was the creator of Priceline.com. And so in, in one of the better exchanges in the episode, Don and Jeff start talking and they say, you know, it's not that kids don't want to fail. And then Don says, you think kids don't like to fail? Watch them play video games. 
because they're failing over and over at that. And if they they beat a video game the very first time they played it, then they'd want to they'd want a refund. So anyway, just some of the insights that some of these people have from the business world, the entrepreneurial world that could be brought into the classroom. That's what I highlighted in that post. And that was that was one thing that, that I thought that you you might want to take a look at. I love that idea, Matt. And you're so right about kids failing in video games and, and all kinds of things. They they just seem to try harder and want to reach that goal. And so um, I love that idea. And the entrepreneur-driven world is, is really changing things, too. So um, I also have something that I would love to share with you. And actually, it's because I need your help. And so this is really a, a call to um, get you to participate to help me create an educational hashtag database. So everything has an hash, a hashtag these days, right? I don't know what they all mean. Do you? I um, you know, I read lots of posts and I see lots of hashtags. I have no idea what some of these stand for or if they're chats or, or what the purpose is. And so I want to be sure that I know how I can best support teachers and use hashtags to reach out to certain groups. And I would love to create a searchable database of educational hashtags. And so um, if you go to the link in the show notes, which is googleteachertribe.com forward slash three for the third episode, you will find a link to this blog post, which has a Google form embedded there. And um, so whether it is just a regular hashtag or a chat, please help me build this resource and, um, it will be similar to um, the Google Chrome app and extension database that I built using awesome tables. So once I have enough there, I will go ahead and create that hashtag database. Of course, we will include our Google Teacher Tribe hashtag, which is GT Tribe as well. So be sure that you're using and sharing that one as well. Wow. Yeah. And that's something that I want to go check out myself. I know, you know, I'm sort of in the same boat with you. Sometimes I don't know what, what all of those hashtags mean. And I've, I've heard people say, and I agree with it, that the hashtags on Twitter are the gold for educators. And that's, it's like, that's where you can find your tribe, so to speak. Of course, I did squeeze that word tribe in there, right? <laughs> but that it's like, that's where you can find the like-minded educators. And I think anything we can do to, to make them a little bit easier to find is good. So I, that's, that's one. I, I don't know about all the rest of you, but that's one that I know I'm going to check out too. So Casey, I have a quick confession that I want to share with you and our listeners. You ready for this? Tell me more, Matt. All right. Well, for the longest time, as I've presented on Google Tools and used Google Tools, I'm always usually enthusiastic about sharing them with other people, but there's one particular one that I just couldn't give my own recommendation to, and that was Google Sites. I mean, it used to be clunky, and it was difficult to use, and it wasn't user-friendly, but now, thank goodness... Google Sites has had a makeover. It's been totally redone and it's looking much better than ever, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I have done a lot of Google training over the years. And Google Sites is one that I always say is an acquired taste. So huh. um, because it, it it really is sort of just clunky and the navigation is terrible. Um, but the power always lied in how it connected with the other Google tools and the ability that we could use to embed those things. So um, it was always one of those things like, let me just share 
show you what it can do before you give up because it looks so antiquated. But the new site is just, uh, yeah, they started from scratch. They didn't do an update. This was a complete redo from the bottom up. And it's beautiful. Before Google Sites got this overhaul, I used to use Weebly a lot for website creation. And the thing that I loved about it was that you can drag and drop things all over the screen. It gave you so much design customization. And now, thank goodness, the new Google Sites has that. First first year of ShakeUp Learning was on Weebly. Well, there you go. All right. Well, now... People don't necessarily have to go to Weebly because you get that same drag and drop interface with the new Google Sites. All you have to do is go over to the right side of the screen and click on what it is that you want to add. It shows up on the screen and then you can just click and drag and just move it wherever you want. And for me, that's one of the huge, big improvements right there. Yes, absolutely. And um, the auto save feature is huge because that was something I always had trouble with. Everything auto saves these days. So with the old site, you had to actually remember to click save. So um, as you're you're creating, you don't have to worry about that anymore. So you've got that drag and drop and you can um, add new pages and do all of those things without having to worry about that. And you know, you were talking earlier about one of the great things about Google Sites was all the integration with the Google tools. And it's so easy with the new Google Sites. So if our listeners haven't tried it yet, along the right-hand side of the screen is basically where all the good stuff is. That's where all of the things are that you can add to your to your site. And so just from the click of a button, actually it takes a couple of clicks to find the file, but um, you're able to add documents, slides, sheets, forms, and charts all onto your site right away. And you can even embed an interactive Google map, a YouTube video, or a calendar all right onto your site. And then like we said earlier, you can drag and drop and move them all over the screen. So that to me was huge is just in a matter of a couple of clicks, you've got this, you've got this interactive Google file right there on the page for you. Yes. And, you know, the other thing that I think is just so handy are are the themes. So um, I actually just wrote a blog post a couple weeks ago called the new Google Sites, the good, the bad and nothing ugly. And that was completely true because uh, that is Google true. won't let you create anything ugly in the new Google Sites. You are forced to use one of their themes. You cannot customize um, every little thing like you could before. So, um, y- you know, you have to use that set of fonts that set of colors um, and those types of things. There, there are a few things that you can customize, but um, it really is designed so that you can't make it ugly. And so um, there's good and bad that goes along with that. But I have seen some very ugly sites in my day. So um, I, I'm pretty happy that people can't make it ugly. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. If we could if we could eliminate a little bit of the ugly off of the internet, I think we're, <laughs> we're all in good shape. So right, um, right. now one thing... As far, as far as the old Google Sites, I know there were some features that people really loved about that that are not on the new Google Sites yet. And we just recently hosted a, a, a Ditchbook Twitter chat where we talked about new Google updates and we talked about Google Sites. And I was kind of surprised. I thought everybody was just going to rave about Google Sites. And I was kind of surprised to see how many people just kept saying, you know, we don't have the page and the site permissions. I can't make a single page private like I did before. And there's this this uh, page type called the file cabinet where you could see a whole bunch of your files from the site all yes. sort of in one place. That's and so, uh, so, so you're probably sad to see that one go for the moment too, right? Um, yeah, for sure. 
even though those things aren't there, I, I don't know about you, but I think that this is still sort of a nice entry point for people who want to get into this whole website design, creating their own sites thing. If And if you don't need all of those advanced options, Google Sites is really a good place to, to dive in in that spot, I think. It is a good starting point. Um, you know, it is responsive as well. So, um, it's, it's going to transform the size of everything depending on what screen you're on. So if you're on mobile, you're on a laptop, you're on a tablet, whatever it is, it's got that responsive design that pretty much everything else requires these days so that you can use it. Um, but, you know, I was part of a Gaffy Chat last, uh, I think it was last week with um, Kelly Fitzgerald heads up the Gaffy Chat. So shout out to Kelly. And um, the, the title or the topic was the new Google Sites. And so we all were pretty much saying the same things. Um, yes, there there is some good in there. But most of us who have been using sites for so long and who are a little bit on the techie side, it doesn't do enough. Um, and I can tell you when I went in to learn the new Google sites, the first thing I did was try to recreate one of my old sites. And so just to let you know, when I teach a workshop or, um, you know, that's a full day or several days or Google boot camps, I create a Google site and I put everything in that site and I tried to recreate one of the sites that I needed to use and I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it do everything that I needed to do. Um, yes, I am still missing that file cabinet page, and I don't care um, who who disagrees with me. I love how easy it was to add anything to that list, um, whether it was a link or a file. But um, so for me, it's not ready. Um, that that again is just my own thing. But another teacher shared in Gaffy Chat about how she shared it to with a, a kind of a tech newbie, a technophobe type of teacher, and she's off and running in just a few minutes. So the ability to create a site within just a few minutes, we can't ignore that. And so I, I don't want to um, negate those types of factors, but um, I think the rest of us are just sort of waiting for Google to add some of those updates. We don't have true embed code yet, which is huge for some of the things that I know I use Google Sites to do. Um, and part of the reason and part of why I called it the acquired taste was the ability to sort of hack it was pretty easy. And to add things that you wanted it to do, whereas um, with the newer sites, we're we're still struggling with that. Um, Something else that I've had some questions about is the publishing side of the new Google Sites works a little bit differently. So um, within your your school's domain, you do have the ability to just publish it within your domain so that it's not available outside. But I think there is a little bit of confusion between adding collaborators and actually publishing. So even though it auto-saves, you do have to click publish to make it viewable to others. So that there's a little bit of confusion in that and um, making sure that they can actually see it. So um, I think there's there's just some, some things that we're still waiting on. It's not perfect yet, but it is beautiful. <laughs> and um, Matt, I think there's a lot of great things that we can do in the classroom with the new Google Sites. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, both Casey and I have published some posts on our sites about the new Google Sites. And I know we've got some ideas on on what we can do there. I know for me, immediately I started thinking about taking student projects and sticking them on these websites. Or maybe a better way of saying that is designing them to be part of these websites so that when students do something, 
you know, so often they turn it in and sometimes the rest of the class gets to see it. Sometimes they're only doing it for that audience of one, the teacher. You know, when you just turn it into the teacher, it gets graded and then handed back. But with all of that hard work that they do, if they can put that out on the web to an authentic audience, I mean, even Common Core State Standards refer to the authentic audience. And so, you know, that's that's a no-brainer, I think. I think it would be great for doing parent portals where you can put some information that parents might want, or even making a video repository site where if you've got all of those little quick explainer videos that you might refer to, instead of trying to show kids where that is on YouTube, just say, hey, go to the website and it's there. So those are some things just right off the top of my head that I think you could do. Yes, absolutely. And the ability to create student e-portfolios, I think, is is going to be so much easier. So a lot of schools have jumped on this with Google Sites, but of course, with Google Sites being not so user-friendly, it really created a lot of headaches for teachers. So I think e-portfolios is really something that's going to take off with the new sites. I think um, because you can embed all of your other Googly favorite things um, that you can create those, those uh, showcase portfolios and progress and and all of those types of things. And I've also seen a lot of teachers jumping on to create training sites for their teachers. Um, So a really easy way just to create um, some training and tutorials and, and share those on your campus. In addition to all of that, we have several resources, including a Google Sites cheat sheet. We've got links to both of our posts. Um, you know, there's there's just a number of links to different things that people have published about the new Google Sites. And you can find those in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash three. I tell you what, Casey and I have really enjoyed getting to see all of the feedback and all the comments from our listeners. And so one place that we've gotten to see it is on Twitter on the GT Tribe hashtag. It's just been really neat to see all these comments come in to see what's really resonating with people and that people are subscribing. And then another place where we've gotten some feedback is through the contact form at googleteachertribe.com. And we've gotten some nice feedback, but we've also gotten some questions. And one thing that we wanted to share with you is a question that came from Paula Frank. She's from Christ the King School in Little Rock, Arkansas. And here's what Paula asks. She says, have you heard when we G Suite users will be able to use the Google Play Store? As of last week, it is still grayed out on our Chrome flipbooks. And she wants to get those Android apps to her kindergarten and first grade teachers just as soon as possible. So, Casey, do you have an answer for Paula? That was actually part of the Google News and Updates section. So, um the the ability to use those Android apps on your Chromebooks is what Paula is asking there. So obviously she's gotten her hands on some of those awesome uh, Chrome flipbooks, as she's calling them. And of course, that really um, lends itself great for those younger users, the, the kindergarten and first grade. And so um, Paula, the answer we have is in coming weeks. So we don't have an exact date yet, but um, I have included a link in the show notes to where that answer can be found from Google. So I'm I'm sure we will um, find out an exact date soon. But like I said earlier, this will be something that um, you'll be able to control in the admin panel and allow a a set of applications um, from the Google Play Store to be installed on those Chromebooks. So coming soon is, is, is as much as we know at this point. And Casey, how cool is that going to be when we've got all of those Android apps available on our Chromebooks? 
Oh, yeah. I see some iPads going away <laughs> very quickly. Right, right. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point earlier where it was always, do we do the touchscreen iPad or we do the Chromebook? And now I think we're kind of coming into this brave new world where we're going to have a sort of a hybrid of both of them. Yeah, I think I think this is just um, this is really going to change things. This is a big shift in how we begin to use these Chromebooks. And I think this is going to be um, an awesome solution for every grade level now as well. And we've also another thing that we've really enjoyed seeing so far is in iTunes and in Google Play, we're starting to see some reviews coming in. And if you haven't had a chance to review the podcast, we would love for you to head over to wherever it is that you listen on iTunes or in Google Play or wherever and leave us a rating and review just so we're able to get the the podcast visible to other people. And Casey, do you want to tell us about about one of our reviewers that has chimed in on iTunes? Yes. And thank you to those of you who have left reviews, um, be it in iTunes or on social media, but we, we greatly appreciate your feedback. So a Big shout out to my girl, Heather Kilgore and Commerce ISD in Commerce, Texas. She left our very first review in iTunes Woo! and she calls it a must subscribe. Casey and Matt sought to build a Google themed podcast that was not only informational, but upbeat, professional and fun. They hit the nail on the head with the Google teacher tribe. I laughed with and learned from these two ed tech leaders as they do what they do best, share their immense knowledge. Thank you so much. Heather, we greatly appreciate all of your support. And, um, you know, we just we appreciate all of you for taking the time to give us your feedback as well. Oh, my goodness. I love that. All of the feels. Isn't that what the kids say these days? All (laughs) the feels. Yes, I definitely got the feels from that. And so those reviews have been so much fun to see. But we've also gotten to hear from some of you, too. And this is something that we're hoping that you'll you'll be able to do also. We have the ability to leave us a voice comment on our site. So if you go to googleteachertribe.com, there's a spot for you to leave us a voice comment. And get this, we have international voice comments, not just coming from the United States here where we are, but we've got one to to play for for you from Italy. So take a listen. Hello. Um, Actually, I don't have any suggestion and any feedback i only wanted to try this feedback system with voice by the way i like i like the um, the thing that there will be a podcast i am italian sorry for my english and i think i will um, i'm a teacher as well and uh, i i will enjoy listening your uh, podcast bye bye I absolutely love that. I think um, the the voicemail feedback is is my favorite part. And um, I have oh, to yeah. admit, um, I'm a little excited about the Italian accent. So um, <laughs> I might be blushing right now. You never know. But um, thank you, Renato. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, you were apologizing for your English. I'll apologize for my Texan here, but I don't know how to how to pronounce your name correctly. But thank you so much for taking the time to leave that and um, to say hello. And so this just warms my heart to think that um, we are connecting with educators outside of the U.S. and as, as far away as Italy. I just thought this was super cool. Yeah. And he apologized for his English, but I don't think there was any apology necessary. You know, 
me being a, a world languages teacher, I hear all sorts of different, you know, different ways that languages are pronounced. And I thought he hit it right on the, the head. And I think my favorite part of this is the fact that he didn't even have suggestions or feedback. He just wanted to get in touch with us. So <laughs> Renato, thank you again so much for, for leaving that message for us. Yes. And please um, also remember that you can leave us a voicemail and we will play it on air. Um, so you can go to googleteachertribe.com forward slash feedback and leave us a voicemail there. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. And so hopefully now you know a little bit more about that new Google Sites, which is pretty awesome. And so if you haven't checked it out yet, you might go over to sites.google.com and just start up a site and kind of play with it and see how it works. I think that's the best way to, to experience things like that. So hopefully you'll, you'll give that a shot. Yes. And as always, we want to remind you about our VIP list. So um, if you have not become a VIP member of the Google Teacher Tribe, please go to our website, googleteachertribe.com and subscribe to our mailing list and we will send you a super cool VIP member badge. All right. Another fun episode in the books. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Okay, you know your computer hates you when you keep all those tabs open, right? Hey, that's how I operate. That's why I have this this very expensive iMac. Yeah. Tab addict. Hoarder. I'm a tab hoarder. Tab hoarder. Okay, sorry, sorry. Didn't want to insult yeah, you with the wrong I, I use that phrase when I train on Chrome. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.